0: Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 61. Hey guys, welcome to the show. How is that social distancing going for you? Um, I'm sure for some of you, you've been practicing this for years, and it's not too hard uh, for the extroverts out there. Man, I feel ya. It's, it's tough not being able to... Um, do as much as what you want to do as far as getting out with people. I uh, had a buddy, I, I do, uh, just on the side, I play with some friends. We'd get together and play board games and kind of geeky stuff. And uh, one of them yesterday, they said, can, can we get together, uh, you know, and play soon? I was like, man, it's just at this stage in the game, we're just going to err on the side of being safe rather than stupid. And that's just kind of my way I'm doing it, just trying to, hopefully if we can do this and uh, we can get back to normal here in about a month. But there are some cool things. I mean, I, I've been able to spend a lot more time with my family. Uh, my wife is uh, teleworking right now, and so have her at home is kind of cool to wake up in the morning. And she's not already headed off to work and uh, family time. Yesterday, I took the kids out, and uh, my wife and we went uh, over to the farm where I hunt. And we got in the Kubota and went up on this hill, and this is my turkey killing field. So I think in the last six years uh, we've killed at least four, maybe five. Uh, birds out of this one particular field, and there's two trees that we always we always go to these same two trees. There's not a lot of cover; it's a pretty open field, uh, but we get up on top of the ridge, and we have a fence to our back, so they really can't get behind us too easy. Um, And then we got these two tiny trees, but there's nothing between us and them other than the decoys. So I thought it'd be good to build a little ground blind. So I had my uh, three-year-old and one-year-old out there helping. I'd I'd go across the fence and grab a bunch of limbs, and they would build up this. We just said, we're building a fort. (laughs) And that was cool. I mean, it really was cool. It was a little chilly out, but that was fun. The other thing that's been going on is I never would have guessed that I would enjoy shooting the recurve bow this much. Um, about three weeks ago, uh, I got a, I won this uh, recurve at the bow league banquet and, you know, I wanted to win it cause I thought, you know, I think it'd be kind of fun to shoot and just have some fun with. I had no idea that it would be this much fun. I uh, got 40 pounds, lim- 40 pound limbs for it so that I could hunt with it if I want to. And I, I'll just say it now. I think I want to, um, <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. I would have never guessed that about myself. I think I want to hunt turkeys with it. um, I'm going to practice a lot between now and the the next month. Turkey season in Ohio doesn't come in until uh, April, like, the 20th. So I've got about a month to practice and and hone in. Um, Man, I don't know. I know that's, like, crazy. I know that's a challenge, but I I want to try it. It's just fun. Uh, Got the 40-pound limbs put on. My buddy uh he's got arrows tuned just right and so uh got a heavy arrow that I'm shooting and, and I'm shooting well um better than what I ever thought that I could I just always thought it was kind of the instinctive shooting you just kind of pull up and hope that you hit the right spot um and granted I know there's there's if you're an instinctive shooter I hope you don't just take offense to that no I know there's more to it than that but my buddy Travis actually showed me how to aim uh using the point of the arrow and um So it's been cool. That's what's been going on in my world. Uh, You have to kind of be um, creative during this time, but uh, the podcast goes on. Uh, So I was able to uh, talk with a guy. I was actually driving down the road, so you have a little bit of that uh, driving noise, but it's not too bad, I don't think. And I was able to connect with a guy named John Bell this week. And John... uh, he was from new mexico and then moved to indiana and he talks about that transition uh going from uh he tells some great mule deer stories and then talks about the challenges that he had switching over to whitetail and so it's a really cool episode a guy that has kind of a unique experience and he has some great stories and uh and also a good challenge for us to think about as well so without further ado we're going to jump right in here with john bell Hey guys, I have John Bell on the line. John, how's it going, man? Fantastic, Travis. How you doing? I'm uh, doing awesome. Just uh, you know, practicing my social distancing. Um, you know, it's 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 not an easy thing. I'm an extrovert. I like being around people, so I'm using the podcast <laughs> as a way to, you know, we're uh, we're talking, but we're miles and miles away, so it should be safe, I would think.
1: Oh yeah, I think we'll be good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> What's going on with you, man?
1: Oh, not much. Just, you know, got an early day off from work and uh, trying to enjoy some time with the family. You know, uh, my wife told me something. She was uh, saying, you know, it's pretty bad when the whole world's told they have to do social distancing and you don't have to change your daily routine.
0: (laughs) So you kind of keep your distance anyway. Yeah. Are you more of an introvert or is that just your job?
1: I'm an extrovert, but I just, my job, I work out on a farm, so I, I don't, Get around a lot of people often, and then uh, other, other than besides, you know, church and small group, and then we got a two-year-old and a six-month-old, or sorry, oh, eight-month-old, yeah. and that keeps us pretty busy.
0: Oh man, I bet today was today. I went into a hospital. I had an, a doctor's appointment that I decided to keep. Is one of those I scheduled months ago, and so. I went into this, it was like I was stepping through customs in a foreign country, like <laughs> there was like people, police there, they were like checking everybody, had, like there was all, they, they barricade every entrance except for one, one way in, yeah, so it was, it was kind of oh, nuts. Uh, so tell us a little bit, where, where are you from, uh, what's, <laughs> what's your experience with the coronavirus, where you are, how's things going?
1: Well, I'm originally from New Mexico, uh, I met a beautiful woman in Texas, and She brought me to Indiana in a roundabout way. So we've been here for about three years. Um, We've got the two boys, and we're just kind of like I said, she does, uh, she stays at home. She's, uh, and she just takes care of the house and the boys and keeps me sane. And that work works just kind of. uh, I work in a farm, we do research for animal feed. So we've, with this one, it really hasn't affected that field. We got to, you know, got to keep food on the shelves. Um, i mean that's that's really about all there is to me yeah other than i love other than i love hunting
0: absolutely well we we share that definitely um and i think you and i we connected actually somewhere about a year ago uh we were kind of messaging i sometimes i forget how paths cross but you and i were talking about some hunting that you had going on and i think you were uh, trying to knock down your first buck or whitetail if i remember right right
1: yeah yeah i was uh I was struggling, being a Western hunter, coming to uh, the Midwest, I had a lot of preconceived notions of what it was going to be like, Yeah, and when I got here, I was wrong, <laughs> and <laughs> I, uh, I, the first year I was here, I think it was 2017, was my first year hunting here, and I had gotten a... Uh, I met a farmer through church and he was kind enough to let me hunt he had about 15 acres and about five of it was wooded and I thought I could just uh, still hunt through that and <laughs> get a deer and uh, I got close but I was wrong I you know after three or four times doing that I blew basically I blew everything out that season yeah and then uh, I had one opportunity that season during the rut I decided to just sit in these t- this tall grass, and this buck came walking about 15 yards to me and turned broadside while I stepped out and drew back, but only as it was still pretty dark. It was just shooting light, and his antlers were skylined, but I couldn't make out his body. Well, he figured out that something was wrong, he ran about 20 yards and turned broadside again. At this time, I could see him, and I could make out his body, so I... Aimed and fired, and I realized I was on my 20 yard pin, and he was about 40 yards at this time.
0: Oh so man, that,
1: that went right into the dirt. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, and then uh, in 2018, I was going again, you know, after a year, I didn't get a deer in 2017, so 2018, I was really hungry, and I think I spent which at the time I was working in a different line of uh work, and it was working crazy hours so this was a lot but i spent about 27 not full days but probably like half days hunting
0: oh my goodness and
1: uh, yeah it was i was i was hammering it hard and it just really it got me that year because i that was my son was born that year and uh he was probably about uh, six months old at the time and yeah. i don't know not six maybe four months old and uh then i'm out here with uh you know, my wife and she's just a angel dealing with me going out every single night. And I, it got to the point where I wasn't having fun. I guess you could say I was just like every day, just gotta get a deer, gotta get a deer. Well, comes to the, I think it was like November 14th. I had a buck come in and he was probably about like 20 yards, but he was covered up in brush. I drew back and I took a shot that I looking back and even then I probably knew I shouldn't have taken. And, uh, Wounded the deer, mm. and I ended up never recovering the deer. But it put me in a real, uh, real kind of dark spot as a just husband. I wasn't, you know, wasn't necessarily really being a good husband at that point or a father. And uh, I really, you know, made hunting out to be kind of like my idol. Yeah. And when that when I when I failed that shot, I just felt like a failure, and just it really really hit me hard. So well,
0: let's, after about let's a let's hit the. Can I hit the pause button real quick? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I want to I come back to that point, if you don't mind, but I want to go back to the beginning of, you You started out hunting in Texas, right? New Mexico. New Mexico, New Mexico, not Texas, New Mexico. So do you mind if we go back to the beginning a little bit and kind of work our way back up to that point? Because I know that things do eventually work out, but I, I want to, can we hear the rest of the story kind of toward the end? Is that okay?
1: Oh yeah, Travis, that's perfectly fine.
0: All right. So, how did you? How did this all begin? Like, tell us about New Mexico, because that is miles away from Indiana.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's miles away and just total different world. Well, you know, I didn't grow up in a hunting family. My dad was always uh, about horses, and I got I'm blessed to have my grown up on a. Uh, my dad had about a hundred acres, which I'm, I'm sure you know. You've been to Colorado, so you kind of know a hundred acres out there. Yeah. is not as productive as 100 acres out here.
0: Right. Well,
1: He had about 100 acres, and his best friend had about 500 acres. And I would go at about 10 years old. My parents got me at 22. And I would spend my summer days hunting prairie dogs and rabbits because in New Mexico, they're not necessarily – they're considered non-game species, so you don't have to have a license to hunt them. You can just – as long as you're a resident, you can go out and just hunt them. And uh, prairie dogs make a lot of holes, so ranchers and we had horses, you want to kind of keep their numbers down so your horses and livestock don't step in the hole, break their legs. So I would spend a lot of time hunting uh, those, and obviously, you know, coyotes are, everyone loves to hunt coyotes. Yeah. uh, So that's how I really got my feet wet, was uh, hunting the prairie dogs and rabbits. Well, when I was about 15 after you know, asking my dad plenty of times to take me hunting. He, you know, took me hunting when he wasn't, like I said, he wasn't a hunter. But he had a friend who had a ranch in kind of eastern New Mexico and we went out with them hunting mule deer and this was the first time I went hunting for mule deer. I think it may have been my first time. I can't remember. It was my first successful hunt. But it was really cool because my dad and his father were estranged and uh, he... Actually, my, my my grandfather came back into the picture. And at this time, it was me, my grandfather, and my dad, and uh, we're going out. Well, the way we were hunting in this specific on this specific cattle ranch was they have a lot of sinkholes, so it's pretty flat. Some hills, but a lot of sinkholes. So what you do is you'd, and I mean this is the, most people in New Mexico will try and shy from this, but there's a lot of road hunting. People, you know, they drive to a spot, get out glass and look and. If they see something, then they'll try and stalk it. Right. I don't know why. A lot of people try and kind of try to hide that fact. I don't want to lie, but that's what my dad was not Hunter, and that's just kind of how I started out. That's just what yeah. got me. I mean, I was 15, and, well, we are it was the first day, and we go up to this water hole that's at the top of this hill, and we look down, probably about 12, and I see eight does and a really decent – uh, buck, it's got two. It had two forks on it, and uh, it's like it's a uh, mule deer, a little different. They kind of branch out, so right. it was it was a nine pointer because it had a little eye guard. Well, there was only like one cactus between us and these deer. They were about three hundred yards off, so we start stalking in, and about two hundred yards, they see us and they just take off, and go up over this hill. Well, my dad at that point's like, okay, well, let's go back and eat lunch. Dad, the deer over that hill, <laughs> you know, a 15-year-old boy just wants to go, go, go. Well, after some uh, talking, he finally agreed that we could go around and see if we can't find those deer. So we went around the backside of the hill they ran up onto, and uh, we're starting to walk through because I knew there was a couple sinkholes up there. Well, we're walking up to a sinkhole, and I see two does. My dad looks at me, and he whispers on... The count of three run up to the edge of the sinkhole and shoot and i'm just i, I was like, what and by the time i was going to ask him if he was serious he was already running and so i just run up and we get there and look down and this buck is in the bottom of the hole, hole. stands up i shoot right over its back oh man yeah missed it well he mule deer do this goofy thing they they always, at least in my experience, they've always do this. They, they bound off a couple of times, turn broadside, and look at you. <laughs> yeah. It's really not good instincts. But, uh, well, I, mean, I guess if you're in open areas, used to running from coyotes it is. But he went to the top of the sinkhole, turned broadside, and looked square at us. I shot him, and he dropped right in his spot.
0: Oh, and, man. Uh, yeah,
1: it was, awesome. it, was, it was awesome. So, it, I mean, it was a good buck, and my grandfather looked at me and said, You're spoiled now because... You're probably not ever, there's a chance you're never going to top this buck. Yeah. And he says it's never this easy. So, I mean, it was, it was a really, really good first experience. And that's, that's really how I got started.
0: Yeah. Oh man, that sounds awesome. I mean, especially being with your dad, who's not, so your dad's not really, was your other buddy there on this hunt or was it just you and your dad? Just
1: me, my dad, and my grandfather.
0: Oh, grandfather, man. That's got to be a fun, like a really cool experience to be with them with your first one.
1: Yeah, and I mean, at that point in time, I'd only really talked to my grandfather three times, so it was just—I mean, the 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 bonding experience of hunting really kind of showed through there.
0: Mm, absolutely, oh, that's exciting. So, how did things progress from there? Did you keep going after mule deer, um, or what? What, what happened uh, those other years that you're in New Mexico?
1: Well, I moved. I actually moved to New Mexico. Or I moved after that. I moved to. I went on a couple cow elk hunts. And, uh, I'd never had any success on those, you know, I'd get close, but just never really seal the deal.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so about 18 years old, I moved to South Texas and after about a year of living there, I moved back to New Mexico cause I just, I couldn't handle the humidity. It was just too much for me. So I moved back and then, uh, a year after I moved back, my wife, who I had met in Texas moved up with me and we got married and then, uh um, that year, I took her on her second hunting trip at that time with me. I'd already taken her on one, but we went to a mountain range in again uh, central New Mexico. And uh, we were hunting. It was, again, I sometimes I get lucky with these first day bucks. It was our first day. And it was a very busy unit. There was a lot of hunters. And the first morning we spent we probably spent eight hours just hiking all day up and down these mountains didn't see anything and there's shots going off so I'm feeling pressured to try and get something to happen just because of the amount of hunters in this area which is weird for uh, New Mexico normally public land you don't you might see two people yeah so I was I was feeling very pressured well we didn't see a single thing and we're driving back to camp and I look up and I'm like holy cow there's a buck on top of this mountain and (laughs) so I hop out and I start like, I tell my wife, I'm like, just stay here. I'm going to work. And then there's on this mountain, there's one road up, and it barely fits one car. So, I mean, it's it's super narrow. So, I told her, find a pull-off and pull off, and I'm going to go see if I can't stalk in on this buck. Well, I it's about a half mile off at this time. I work in, and I'm going up the hill. And it's a very steep hill. And I'm looking. I'm like, I don't see this deer. Well, all of a sudden, about 25 yards, this buck is standing looking right at me, and he's above me. I, sh- I i I freak out I, I see him, I take the shot, hit him, he goes to run up the hill and then he starts falling backwards, right towards me, and behind me there's probably like a five hundred foot drop. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, so this buck is going end over end, coming right at me and about ten yards from me, he hits a tree and gets stuck. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> I just gotta that's I got that's pretty sweet. Wait. Yeah, I got to thank God because I did not. It was one of those things like you see something coming and you're just kind of stuck, you can't move, and you're just like, this thing's going to hit me and I'm going off this mountain. So that that was a real, uh, uh, that was just a real exciting hunt. And then uh, we got the deer down, got it. And that was just my wife was, it was the best part of that hunt was seeing how excited my wife was. It was yeah. just, you know, hunting's awesome, but when you hunt with people and you get to see the excitement, in people's. Is something else
0: yeah i mean I, I i come back to that on so many podcasts guys are probably tired of me talking about it but it's like I, I mean solo hunting is awesome and it has its place but there's also just the the joy of being with people you know i mean <laughs> maybe it's an appropriate thing for uh, us to talk about right now just because of like social distancing for some people it's like ah, I've been practicing for this my whole life, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. but for a lot of us, it's kind of like, you know, no, it's actually one of those things where, you know, we just, we learn how much we are just creatures that love to be around. And I mean, we just enjoy sharing experiences. And uh, I mean, the same is true in the hunting world. I mean, some of my best memories really aren't the times I was out there by myself. I mean, yeah, some of those are good, but just being with people, you know, sharing the, cause if you're by yourself, you can go back and watch the video and you can tell somebody about it. But if you were in that moment together, I'm sure that you can bring that conversation up with your wife and she remembers it. And you guys can reminisce together about it. That's the beauty of it. I think.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, and we still do. I got the deer hanging on, I got, I got just the European mountain. It's on her side of the bed. And that's like when she's just, she, she really cherishes that moment.
0: Yeah. So any other moments while you're in uh, – uh, well, you were in – where were you at that point? I'm losing track. Oh, I'm <laughs> I, no, you're
1: good. I, uh, you're good. I was, uh, I was still in New Mexico at that still point. Still in New time.
0: Mexico. Okay. All right. So then you guys uh, – when did you move up to Indiana? 2017. 2017. 2017. All right. So let's go ahead and hit the fast-forward button, come back up to there. Um, what's your biggest challenge, do you think? You, you mentioned that there were some challenges going from – You where you were before to coming to indiana what do you think what's your biggest challenge coming to indiana do you think john
1: biggest challenge was realizing that i was not going to i mean not not that it's impossible but it's a lot harder to sneak up on deer here you know it's i think anybody that's hunted whitetail would hunted whitetail and mule deer would say whitetail are a lot more weary than mule deer are um not that they're you know, it's, they're different types of hunting. So one is, I would not say one's easier than the other, but they're, they're, it's very hard to walk up on a white tailed deer. And so transitioning to a still like a stand hunting was real, a big leap for me. Cause I'm, I'm actually kind of afraid of heights. So, you know, I, I would, uh, I remember the first time I got a, a what do I call a climber? I got about halfway up the tree and I'm like 10, 10 feet off the street, off the ground and i'm like this is terrifying and uh so getting comfortable with getting up in a tree and sitting there because it's i told my wife the hardest thing to do here for me is sit in the stand because home's usually only 30 minutes away or like comfort is only 30 minutes away it's so easy to sit there and think about all the things you like you know when nothing's happening when It's cold and you're like, well, I could be at home in bed or with my family. And I wasn't used to that before. When I go hunting, you'd be several hours away from anything. So you weren't, you weren't just going to go get a burger or something. So it's a, it's a more of a mental mind game here. I would say, right.
0: Yeah, I I would, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, what I guess what's coming up for me is turkey season. And what I love about turkey season is that it's not deer season. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, by that, I mean, it's different. Like, I don't, I don't hunt turkeys out of a blind. I, I actually hate doing that. I like being able to move and it's. It's not, and that's why I love elk hunting in Colorado because it was just, like you said, it's a different way to hunt. Um, I mean, I love hunting whitetails, don't get me wrong, but it is definitely a different type of mental game for sure.
1: Yeah, abs- I, would to- I would absolutely agree with that. Now that I've gotten a, a deer from a tree stand, I'm kind of hooked. I, I, but before I did that, part of me was just, this is, it's, you know, it's hard. And then you don't realize how cold it is up in that tree. <laughs> Until you're up there, and it gets so cold, and not that I'm not used to cold, it i think being up in that tree with that wind, it just takes it right out of you.
0: You mentioned before, um before I hit the pause button, about you said something to the effect of um hunting, be- like kind of took over your life a little bit, especially whenever your child is born. And so you spent like a 20 some days in the woods and it, you said, I think you said it like became your God or something to that effect. Explain, explain that a little bit. What was kind of going on there? You know, what, um, and, and how did you kind of take that step to, to get away from that?
1: Yeah, Travis. So like I said, I spent a lot of time and I'd had a lot of failure in the hunting, uh, in the woods when I was hunting here. And, uh, instead of, I guess, I leaned into hunting too much. I would, I focused on it. You know, when I get home instead of talking to my wife, I would be looking at deer, deer like topo maps or trying to plan. And then after I missed that buck and wounded that buck, I kind of shut down because I'd put so much effort and I, I based my happiness on the success of the season. And when that season failed, when hunting failed me, not, not I don't say hunting failed me, but I failed at hunting everything kind of came crashing down, and yeah. I kind of shut down on my wife, I shut down on my kids, and after about a month of that, I realized, I was like, this is not what God wants for my life. God doesn't want me to put hunting on this pedestal. Uh, hunting is, you know, he, he warns so much about idols and idolatry, and I think a lot of people think that they look at it and they say, well, God's just trying to, you know... Put himself above everybody, which I mean, he is. He is, and I think that we come in here, we put these idols, and we we put everything out of whack. And so, I put in 2019 came around. I told myself, like, this year is going to be different. I'm not. I'm not going to allow hunting to be my god. I said, God is going to be my god. So first things first, Jesus comes first. Everything else is second. So Jesus is first, then my wife, then after my wife, my kids. And then after that, my responsibilities, and then I can think about hunting. And it's amazing to me how much more enjoyable 2019 was. I mean, I, feel, yes, I, I guess like the,
0: Did it take the pressure off, do you feel?
1: Absolutely, it took the pressure off. And not only did it take the pressure off, but when I was out in the field, I could, in, I could be out in the field. I wasn't having to worry about what I had failed at doing as a father or at work. Or I knew that I was covering my bases, so when I was out in the woods... I could just enjoy the, the the God's creation and nature and just the presence of God out there, and I think that that just enhanced everything. Because even if I wouldn't have gotten a deer, my time in the woods this year was just just more enjoyable.
0: Yeah, guilt-free hunting is is kind of what I kind came to mind. So you're out there and you don't have a guilt about being there. There's times that I'm out there and I almost feel guilty at times because like you said I've been hitting it hard and I've kind of you know it's easy to do it's easy to allow hunting to be elevated to such a point that that's all you think about it's all you talk about it's it's what there's a lot of guys that say that hunting is my life is maybe one way that they might say that and it's something that you gotta be careful of
1: yeah I I would I would agree with that and I think that that's you know I was listening to a podcast the other day and this guy said he'd spent 60 hour or 60 days in total including scouting hunting and then, you know, he would all he would keep calling it his obsession. And, you know, I get guys say that, but I think that when we have things in the order they're supposed to be in, hunting will be more enjoyable than when we've got it as our number one.
0: Yeah, I, I would not disagree at all. I've definitely experienced that uh, for sure. So, John, you kind of work in 2019 to kind of get your, um, get your mind right, get your heart right, get your priorities right. Um, how did it turn out? How did things go? I mean, uh, how did your season progress and, and what played out in 2019?
1: You know, 2019 was crazy. So first day opening day, I'm out there with a the bow and this big fat doe walks in and I make a perfect shot. She runs 45 yards and she drops. And that was the first deer I've ever gone with it, with a bow. Most of my deer have been with gun or muzzleload. All right. So that was just Awesome. So, you know, at that point, I was already, you know, ecstatic. ecstatic. I was like, my first deer in Indiana, finally. <clears throat> well, we go a couple, I think it was the November 1st. I, I'm up in a different tree stand on my friend's property, and it was uh, goodness, maybe 9 o'clock, and I had actually spooked some deer walking to the stand. And I'm about to get down, and a little, I mean, he's I'm going to say eight point, but he's closer to a six point. He's got two little, little nubbins on there. But, uh, he walks into 15 yards and I launch an arrow, you get a double lung and he runs another maybe 50 yards. And so I got two deer down and then I had also drawn out a, uh, population reduction hunt at a state yeah. park. And that was good. I was going to use my muzzle for that. Well, on that hunt, I kind of, guessed a lot of people would hunt close to the road so i picked a ravine out that was about a mile and a half away from the road and i took my climber out there well I'd, everything was real slick well, i'm trying to climb up this tree and i get about five feet off and this the climber slips and at that oh, point that's, I was like, I'm, that's a bad yeah, feeling was, yeah it was it was it was not a good feeling so i kind of set that down and i found a tree and i just sat up in this tree up on top of the ridge well i had two deer run in And I shot, or I had three deer run in, and I actually shot two does, and I was allowed three deer this hunt. And I go down to tag these does, and while I'm down there, I had two more deer run in that I could have shot, but my gun wasn't close enough. And I, I, you're, on these hunts, they want you to shoot everything you can. But at that time, I was like, I've gotten four deer this year, which is more deer than I've ever shot, like, in a season. And, uh, so I kind of, I didn't reach too quick for the gun. I was, I was very content with what I had had. So I packed up, but yeah, so I got four deer this year. Oh man. Or in 2019. So
0: it was a great year. (laughs) (laughs) So how, how pumped were you to get, um, your buck? Was it just like this, like satisfying feeling, something that you had been waiting for or, you know, just kind of surreal. How did you feel about it? You know, it
1: was a real great feeling. I mean, maybe it might've just been because I told myself not to get too pumped up about it and, you know, keep things, uh, in order. I mean, it was exciting. I was exciting, but I I would say that it was also like just a humbling moment.
0: Yeah. 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 That's, that's the thing about hunting is sometimes I've experienced that to kind of what you're talking about. Sometimes you get so wrapped up in it and then you just kind of calm down and when you calm down. It almost gives you a better sense of, I don't know, you're able to think clear, I think, rather than being so wound tight and worried, and then you get in there, and, like, there's been times that I've gone, like, I've sat up in the tree stand, and and I've just been mad, like, and I I get up in there because I didn't get in quiet, I made too much noise, and there's no way, nothing's, I just have a bad attitude, and it's just, like, hunting's not fun whenever you get to that point where you put so much pressure that you lose perspective, you know?
1: Yeah, I I I uh, I understand that.
0: Yeah. Well, that is an awesome year, awesome story, John. Uh, So, moving forward into this year, how uh, you know, what's your plans? Do you uh, plan on going after any more mule deer, or are you just pretty much a whitetail hunter now? Well, this
1: year I've got my turkey hunt. I'm I'm going after some turkeys. If whether I'm in the refuge or not, I'll go to a national national forest. Uh, So I got turkey hunting here in a month. I put in for a hunt in New Mexico for mule deer, and that drawing ended, uh, or the application period ended on the 18th, so I will know about that at the end of April. So hopefully I will be going after some mule deer in New Mexico, <clears throat> and then I do plan to still go after some whitetail. I enjoy whitetail hunting. I think, though, my, uh, my true... Uh, I really like being out in the big... Uh, big mountains or in, the, in yeah. the high high desert that's really where i really feel like i i thrive
0: oh yeah yeah that's a cool cool area and i and i don't know how to hunt that i mean um when we my first year i went to colorado uh we were in southern colorado and so one day just for fun we just kind of drove down into new mexico and um i mean i tell you it was uh did i say it was Maybe it might, i might have this backwards might have been arizona but regardless it was more like that d- desert like the terrain went from like mountains, crazy mountains, to kind of like that desert. Um, you know, definitely the terrain was different. And, you know, and I saw a lot more mule deer once we crossed the border, it seemed like.
1: Yeah, they, 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 up there, especially, depending on what time of year you're there, I think they migrate down from Colorado to the lower yeah. elevations. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's, there, up in just that southern Colorado and New Mexico area, there's, there are some really big deer in a lot of them. Um, I'll probably be, I'm going to be where I put in for is in the center, almost center of the state. Cause I didn't, it's going to be a, you've driven to Colorado, so you know how that drive is.
0: Oh yeah. It's, it's lovely. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I didn't want to go too far. Um, I've, you know, I've, I've hunted the Southwest, the North and the, and the central parts of New Mexico. So this will be a unit I've never been, I kind of wanted something fresh. I wanted a new unit I haven't been, been to before. It looks like I'll be doing it solo, not because I, you know, necessarily want to. It's just kind of hard to find people uh, that want to spend that much time and not necessarily want to. But, you know, people got jobs, they got responsibilities. So it's hard to find somebody to take a week off to go gallivanting through the mountains.
0: Yeah, and I, I found a lot of guys in the Eastern time. Whenever they take their time off, it's it's for the the whitetail rut. You know, that's kind of where the priority <laughs> lies. So it's hard to find people that really want to go take that adventure out west.
1: Yeah, that's. Well, I, I would agree with that. A lot of people they, they keep keep. Uh, rut is November to no, no, the beginning of November till mid end of November. That's when they use all their vacation time. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, John, I man, I really appreciate you taking some time today and uh, coming on the show and sharing your stories. I was I was really looking forward to it, and I it didn't disappoint hearing about the mule deer stories and your first, well, your not just your first buck, but the the does and the great year you had. So, congratulations on that, man!
1: Awesome, man. Thank you, Travis. It's a pleasure being on.
0: Absolutely. Well, I hope to hear back from you soon. Okay.
1: All right. Thank you. Take it easy. Good luck this year.
0: Thanks. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while or since the beginning, you might know sometimes we come back to different themes and different things just keep popping up. Uh, Things like, you know, community, connection to others, um, you know, where we keep our priorities, family. It's just stuff that while it comes up over and over, it's stuff that we still need to hear. And I really appreciate John telling those stories. Uh, loved his passion for mule deer hunting and his struggle with whitetails, which anybody that's, that's made that switch. I'm sure there's had to been some challenges, um, much in the same way. There's a challenge for me switching over to becoming a Western hunter and trying to go after elk, but, um, just appreciate that. But he mentioned uh, that struggle that he had. And you guys know, I've had this struggle too. Sometimes we just make hunting be everything. And, Uh, We just get it so out of whack. And and right now is maybe a hard time. (laughs) I see guys doing all kinds of things to get outside. Like there's not really a season other than like coyotes in, you know, for the most part. And so guys are in this prep mode, getting ready, trying to get out of the house and go, um, you know, food plots are coming up, trail cams, turkeys. You know, it's just sometimes we can just get so wrapped up in all of that because we love it so much. And, And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with loving hunting. Uh, the you know whenever God gives him the Ten Commandments, he says this in Deuteronomy 5, 6, and also in Exodus 20, uh, verse 2, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. I, I think what we get that confused with is we can't enjoy anything else other than God. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is he is first, he is uh, in everything, he is above everything, and so he will not accept us to put something up there beside him. Um, if that makes sense. So the problem with the Israelites back then is they'd actually take like a wooden uh, piece of wood or a piece of stone and they'd carve it into an idol because they wanted to have some sort of visual representation of who God is. That's what they wanted. And so they would bow down, but they it went from, hey, this, I, I connect this to the one and only God, and instead, these other cultures that had many gods, that's what creeped in, and eventually they were no longer worshipping the one true God, they were worshipping these man-made pieces of wood. (laughs) And you think, how silly is that, that they would end up praying to a piece of wood? Um, But then again, how silly is it that we try and find our answers, and our fulfillment, and our joy, and all that we know is who we are, we find our purpose in hunting. Um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, why, why is my identity wrapped up in grabbing a weapon and going out and killing an animal? It's a, it's a sacred thing. It's an awesome thing. But it can't be everything. And so I think what John was getting at and what I would get at from this is we have to keep things in perspective. If we can focus on God and keep him first, and that doesn't just mean like on Sunday God gets Sunday or whatever. It's God gets every day. Every day we wake up and and I just say, I try and say, God, have your way with me today. Whatever it is that you want to uh, do or accomplish, or if there's a person that I can bless, help me not to be selfish, help me to love my family and, um. And when we do that, I really do think that hunting is so much more enjoyable. We keep things in the proper place. We keep our family first. And then when we get out in the woods, it is pure joy, no guilt, and a lot of fun. That is my miniature soapbox sermon. You know, I, I said at the beginning, episode one, that I didn't want to cram Jesus down your throat. And I, I hope when you hear this, I'm just offering my perspective on this and and you are absolutely free to disagree. You're free to submit questions to me or comments or even arguments, if you want. Uh, send that over to sheddinglightod at gmail.com. I'd love the dialogue with you. You're also welcome to send a message on Facebook or Instagram, Shedding Light Outdoors. And I'll I answer those pretty quickly. Also, um, always looking for new guests. Um, uh, just usually uh, about once a week, I'm trying to nail down two or three guests for the upcoming weeks. And so if you have a story that you'd like to tell, I know you're not doing anything else. You're stuck at home, right? So if you got decent cell service or if you got internet at your house, uh, we can make this happen so send an email over sheddinglightod at gmail.com guys I can't tell you how much I appreciate you listening to this I hope that it is something encouraging to you something that you enjoy and I hope maybe maybe at the end uh, or during you learn something as well Uh, if you enjoy this uh, once again I'll give my little plug five stars and a little review I always enjoy seeing that and that's all I'm going to say thank you guys so much for listening and remember to shed the light